All right, everyone, I think we have a lot of good information to go through today. So I know more people are coming into the room, um, but we'll get started. Um, this session is being recorded. So for everyone that uh, joins slightly late, you'll be able to watch this on demand later. Um, so good day. Welcome to today's Canadian College Sports Communicators CanCSE webinar. Um, so we're pleased to offer a session on communications for social justice topics and EDI initiatives. Um, so thanks for joining this important session as we discuss ways that have, uh, athletic departments have approached social justice topics and EDI initiatives within their own departments and on their respective campuses. Uh, before we officially get started today, though, I'd like to begin with a land acknowledgement. So in Wolfville, where I'm located, we acknowledge that we are in Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral unceded territory for the Mi'kmaq people. This land is governed by the treaties of the peace and friendship. These treaties did not implicate or affirm the surrender or transfer of land to the British, but recognized Mi'kmaq and Wolostoki title and set the rules for what was to be a longstanding relationship between nations. We recognize that we are all treaty people and have responsibilities to each other and this land. As an educational program within a university, we are continually learning more about how we can deeply engage and move forward with uh, the work of truth, reconciliation, and equity. We recognize that without action and acknowledgement is empty. It marks the beginning of the work ahead of us, not the end. But as part of this acknowledgement, the lands you are currently situated on, if you're able, we'd like to see those in the chat. Um, again, like I'm located on the unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people, uh, but we have people joining us from across the country. So feel free to share in the chat where you're located. Um, again, like I said, we have people from all around the country, all in different places, uh, all different uh, locations. So uh, we're working towards truth and reconciliation uh, in different parts, the different lands. Uh, so feel free to share those if you know and are comfortable. Uh, so before we get started today, uh, I do want to introduce uh, the CAN CSE cabinet, uh, which represents you, our college and university communicators, as part of the CSC governance structure. So I'm Chris Cameron. Uh, I work at Acadia University as the Sports Information and Communications Coordinator. Uh, I'm, the ser I'm serving as the moderator today, uh, but I'm also the CAN CSE cabinet president uh, this year. Uh, we also have Jill Clark from the University of Toronto. She is our past president. We have Chelsea Norris from Dalhousie. She's the AUS rep. We have Renault from Montreal. He's the RSEQ rep. We have Andrea from TMU. She's the OUA rep. And Connor Hood from Alberta, Canada West rep. Ryan Phipps from Seneca College, the CCAA rep. And the at-large rep is Mike Still from Manitoba. Um, so going ahead, uh, today's presenters are leaders in communications and home event management. They're here to offer their thoughts and expertise and take your questions. Uh, we welcome questions in the Q&A or in the chat. Um, anytime, throw those in there. Uh, we will have a designated time to ask questions at the end. Uh, you can use, like I said, put those in there as we're going so you don't forget. But again, we'll put those uh, questions towards the end as well. Uh, we are recording this. So again, if you need to leave, feel free to throw the question in the chat and hopefully we'll address it and you'll see it on demand later. Uh, but we do have lots to get covered, so uh, we'll get started. So starting off from Lakehead, we have our two panelists. 
So we have Jamie Mintaco, or Mintanko. Uh, Jamie is a proud graduate of Lakehead University, holding a degree in HBCom marketing and currently pursuing an MBA. Uh, as part of her role, she currently serves on community committees such as Girls in Sport, Accessible Sport Committee. Jamie brings a unique perspective to her leadership role, having been a former varsity athlete, dedicated club basketball coach, uh, and she is shaping the future of young athletes while being committed to EDI initiatives within the athletic department at Lakehead. And then we have Amanda Stefanile. Uh, Amanda values empowering students with education and passionate about working with individuals to promote physical activity, academic success, and personal growth. Amanda has worked as the Achievement Program Coordinator in the Department of Athletics at Lakehead for the past 10 years. This program helps support access to post-secondary education for those who face socioeconomic barriers. Amanda is a former varsity athlete who loves to spend time outdoors with her two kids and husband. She also currently taking her master's in education with a specialization in social justice. Amanda loves developing programs that focus on empowering children and youth through education, recreation, and athletics to build self-confidence, physical literacy, academic confidence, belief, and sense of belonging. Uh, so I'd like to turn it over to Jamie and Amanda. Thanks so much, Chris. Um, as Chris said, I'm Amanda, and Jamie and I are joining you together today. Um, we work at Lakehead University in Thunder Bay, and we're on the traditional lands of Fort William First Nation uh, Robinson Superior Treaty of 1850. Um, as Chris mentioned, I um, manage a unique program here in athletics at Lakehead, uh, and that program really helps support students in our region. We currently have about 400 students uh, in the program from um, five different school boards. Um, and those students, um, we connect with them initially through sport and recreation because it's a great way. Obviously, we're a little bit biased, but it really is a great way, an inclusive way to connect with kids uh, within our institution because sometimes it can be a bit scary to come to a university campus. So connecting with them through sport is uh, a wonderful way for us to do that. Um, and about we have about 400 kids in the program. About 75% of our students do identify as Indigenous. Um, and we also have students who currently are attending Lakehead University who sort of graduated our program in the last three years. So it's uh, come full circle. And so when the OUA started uh, the We Are One campaign, uh, we found it to be a really natural fit to celebrate Indigenous culture through sport um, and connect it with the Achievement Program and other initiatives that our department does. So this sort of first quote that I, I put up on the screen here, I think it's uh, important to note that um, you know, we're sharing our best practices and how we got started with this event, but it's important to note that we're not the experts um, and we continue to learn and grow uh, together within our institution, but also as a community. Um, but we would like to continue to be an ally and really center indigenous history and culture in the work that we do. Um, so you can move on to slide two there, Chris, for us. So we'll talk a little bit about um, our event, which is was the Indigenous Cultural Celebration Night at Lakehead. It was our first uh, last year in February of 2023. Um, and so I think it's also important to note as an on Indigenous white female that I'm understanding my responsibility as an ally um, and understanding that I come from a place of privilege 
and that, you know, this is a learning process. And I think it can sometimes be scary or intimidating to start something as a non-Indigenous person. Um, but I've really found great community and um, being an ally with people within our institution and our community that have really empowered me to, you know, move forward with some of these initiatives. And again, it's an area I continue to grow and educate myself um, in. So um, the three areas that we're going to kind of speak to today about thinking about how do you get started with an event like this maybe um, is we're going to talk about um, the uh, our department our athletics department and a varsity athlete support and their buy-in uh, in initiatives like this um, our connection with community and collaboration on and off campus and we're going to talk about our communications and social media strategy and as well as some learnings for the day um, so the next slide is talks about our um, department and varsity athlete buy-in. So I think it's important to understand and explain to not only people we work with, but also our varsity athletes, you know, why is the work important? I think sometimes we know that we should do things, um, but truly understanding uh, why we do them and our role on this path to reconciliation and the importance of that, um, I think is, is something we, we communicated with our, um, with our department and with our varsity athletes. Um, connection, connection and our community collaboration. Sorry, can you go to the next slide, Chris? Perfect. Uh, so connection and community collaboration. Um, so we, uh, throughout the year on an ongoing regular basis, connect with many different uh, internal and external partners and really connecting with our community and, and internal and external partners is really key uh, in, in hosting events like this. Um, so I think it's important that we connect with them uh, and our varsity athletes and our varsity events are, are very community-based. Here in Thunder Bay where we are, we find that, you know, we're the only place that people come to watch uh, sports. So we're really unique like that. Um, we get a lot of people in our crowds um, that really are here to support the athletes. So we find our, our community connection is really important. Um, so we work with our uh, Office of Indigenous Initiatives uh, Department on a number, like I said, a number of different um, initiatives that we do during the year. And they really helped us guide that conversation and the planning uh, in the planning phases of, of this event. Uh, from there, we really worked with our external partner, part, partner sorry, with, um, we had local drumming and dancing groups, a community elder, a local artist who designed the jerseys. We had uh, one of our achievement program recruitment schools uh, as the choir that came to sing in Ojibwe, uh, connection with Ojibwe speaking broadcasters for our event, um, and then connection with local schools, uh, Indigenous high schools that are within our community as well. Um, so really our reach was quite far in trying to connect with as many groups as possible. And you can go to the next slide. Thanks. Um, one of the things that we also um, wanted to make sure is that we had customary offerings for uh, the Indigenous um, drumming and dancing groups, tobacco offering and gifts. And the only thing I would say about that is if you're unsure, because um, I can remember the first time I had a conversation about this, if you're unsure, it's really okay to ask and, and start that dialogue and have those conversations. Um, they may seem scary at first and you may feel uh, maybe uneducated or silly asking those questions, but honestly, when it comes from a place, a good place, um, those conversations are always welcomed as was what I've found. 
So I'm going to pass things over to Jamie now, and she's going to talk, talk a little bit about our um, communication strategy and social media. Thanks, Amanda. Um, so yeah, starting off, I have to thank uh, Amanda here because it's been so valuable having such a great partner within the department to help show us the way and um, from someone who has historically been such a great ally and has many of those community connections, we were really, um, from an athletics perspective, really able to lean on her to be able to help us show the right way, the right learnings and how to go the, go about this event as respectfully as possible and, and do it the justice that it, it truly deserves, um, which really came into play with our communication and social media as we wanted to make sure that everything we were putting out to the community was done with with learning, with compassion, with respect, um, and ensuring that everything that was put out was run through the right people, um, bringing all of our, our um, Indigenous Initiatives Department on board, um, and making sure that everybody had the proper sign off, um, because that I think was being quite honest was a fear of ours, right? We didn't want to, we didn't want to say the wrong thing. We didn't want to, we wanted it to be a pot, we wanted it to be a positive, um, well-received event within the community. So it was something that we were quite diligent upon. And sometimes that meant taking some extra time um, in terms of checking media releases that were being sent out, making sure it got sent to that one extra individual for approval. But I do think everybody's comfort level and the product we're able to put out at the end of the day really, um, really held up to the values and standards we were hoping to achieve uh, by putting this event forward. So in terms of tips, I would definitely say get started on things early and make sure you, you allow your yourself that time um, for that education piece and to learn and to, to make sure that you're able to put all of those practices that are being put forward into place. So um, so yeah, so I kind of skipped a media release there, but the invitations that we did, uh, we wanted to make sure that all of our local Indigenous communities and community partners were invited to the event. We really wanted them to feel that they were a part of the event and, and it was part of their event as well. Um, so consulting with them along the way uh, was a big piece as we prepare to put the night on. Um, and making sure that we could integrate as much as we could um, in terms of community ideas uh, so that, again, so that everybody felt like this event was was representative of, of what we were trying to put forward. Um, social media, um, we were very, very fortunate from our social media. Um, our local artist who designed our jerseys did such a fantastic job and it was um, the, the jerseys and the artwork, the Indigenous artwork for those jerseys were something that really were highlighted throughout our social media and made it a very easy campaign um, to, to run because of the natural um, appreciation of, of what was there. So we had a, a great outpouring of support in terms of, uh, in terms of our social media, which led into our jersey auction as well. Uh, there was such a, a local demand for for the jerseys that were created, the meaning behind it, um, the support of the athletes and, and the athletes' education of what they were doing and, and their passion for the event as well. So it, um, it was really a great way to tie everything together. Um, from a logistical standpoint, we did the jersey auction on Facebook. Um, we were able to raise um, on the night around $5,000. Um, all of those monies that were raised went to our BIPOC uh, scholarships and bursaries, which was again very meaningful for us to be able to give back um and and we wouldn't have been able to to do that without the support of some of our sponsors um the achievement program was one of our sponsors um this year we are looking at taking this event to the hockey side of our our athletics so we will be looking at gaining some additional sponsors for things uh in hopes to be able to increase those dollars that are going back to to the scholarships and bursaries as well so 
Um, I'll get you to go to the next slide, Chris. Um, so wanted to review some of the learnings that we had as well um, through putting this event on. I know this was um, personally my first event. Um, again, I think I was pretty upfront, was very, had my apprehensions and was very nervous to, to enter into something like this in fear of not wanting to do it wrong and not do an injustice to what we were, the positive thing that we were trying to achieve, which is that education, appreciation and, um, and acceptance within our community um, for, for the community of Indigenous peoples that we work, um, we work, we live and, and, and are on their lands. So um, that, again, having, having people to help provide those best practices for you is really, really important um, to be able to glean information uh, from, from other schools um, who have put these, these, um, these events and these nights on has been super helpful. Um, and it's been great, I know, since, since last year to be able to see what everybody else has been doing and be able to implement others' best practices has really allowed us to revise what our own best practices are um, and be able to, to learn and grow, not only as, as the times change, but as our education moves forward and and so that we're again able to do everyone the justice uh within that night that they deserve uh secondly i really think uh one of our learnings is today is a day of emails and zooms and texts and not meeting people um before you you meet them on that night uh the value that we were able to to reconnect in terms of value on relationships and connections was was second to none um the like the hugs that we met people um there are people that just that stepped into that event and provided such support and um those connections made that night were uh were something especially from a first event were something that I will always remember um and and really provides that takeaway to to make sure you're going you're going and not getting caught up on the the text and the emails um but being able to bring people together and how much of an impact that makes and and the length that that goes in terms of supporting uh, the education and, and awareness around, uh, around Indigenous peoples and, and their culture and celebration. Um, so that was a really special thing. I would say the last thing um, that we wanted to include as a learning is um, not to be negative, but there aren't everybody isn't always going to understand that um, we are at a place where it should be positive and it is an ed educational experience for for those that may not be as um, as informed as they could be at the time um, but making sure that there's a safe space whether it be physically whether it be um, from a communication standpoint for those who may feel um, threatened or uncomfortable or or be looking for more information or who may just need maybe overwhelmed in in a situation like that um, that was something that we'd like to add moving forward uh, making sure that our staff is properly um, trained and we have specific people on hand who can help, uh, whether it's a mental health and wellness or an elder that may be available to discuss um, should, should the needs arise and make sure that's communicated beforehand so that people are able to go into the night feeling comfortable, safe, taken care of, um, uh, no matter what what your walk may be, right? Um, we want it to be, our biggest focus is making it a positive experience uh, for as many people as possible and that they're able to provide takeaways from that, um, that they're further ahead in their in their their learnings and their respect as they were the day before. So, um, so making sure that everybody has the resources to be able to do so uh, is also super important for, 
for us. So yeah, um, I know we're going to have some time for questions afterwards, but happy to to address anything at that point. But yeah, thanks for letting us share today and look forward to hearing um, hearing from Meg next, I think. Right. Thank you, Jamie and Amanda, for kicking us off today. Uh, next, we're excited to welcome Megan Muir, uh, the Communications and Game Day Coordinator for the Waterloo Warriors. Meg is responsible for overseeing the communications, sports information, and game day operations uh, for the athletics and recreation department. Before joining the Warriors, she worked at Queen's University in several capacities, including facility operations and event delivery. Megan is a proud alumni of the University of Waterloo, having earned both a BA and MA from the institution. Uh, so I will turn it over to Megan. Thank you very much, and thank you everybody for having us. Um, I will say that I will would like to reiterate everything that Amanda and Jamie just said, but I won't. Uh, but I will say, like, I amplify everything they said. Um, and it's good to know that um, we're all in this and we're figuring this all out together. Um, I am situated currently on the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee um, territory, as well as the neutral, um, the land promised to the Six Nations, um, six miles on either side of the Grand River. And so today, um, I'm really here to talk about what we've done as the University of Waterloo, generally speaking, as well as our athletic department. Um, and a big part that I'll say is um, the university's commitment to um, reconciliation and truth for our Indigenous community um, is a big pull. So starting from the top down um, has been a big advocate for our community to make sure that action is actually taken um, and that our call to actions have actually have seen through um, and what we've done in the past couple of years. And so a big part of this within our community is our collaboration um, with our Office of Indigenous Relations um, as well as our Waterloo Indigenous Student Center, which are great resources on campus that we went to and we worked collaboratively with, with every single thing we've done um, over the past couple of years, from every smudging ceremony to our truth and reconciliation ceremony, as well as just um, amplifying their messages and content uh, across our different social media platforms and communications um, out to our community, as well as their community as well. Um, and a big part of us is Elder Henry. You can actually see a photo of them. He is um, the most welcoming gentleman in the world on our campus. Um, he is actually our Indigenous um, knowledge keeper uh, for the Faculty of Health, but uh, he has branched out to become everybody's Indigenous knowledge keeper um, because his doors are always open um, to ask questions, to understand, um, and to make sure our knowledge base is there so we can do our calls to action. Um, and one element that he and as well as in other Indigenous um, individuals on campus um, that called the action for was our Eagle staff on campus. So now our university is led by our flag, our mace, and the Eagle staff. So it is implemented into everything we do from our ceremonies on campus to uh, sporting events. So as you can see there, he's actually holding our Eagle, our Eagle staff as well. And it's a, um, a symbol of our institution and our commitment to call the action, both from a community perspective, academics and education and awareness um, so that everybody on campus um, is welcome and feels at home. You can go to the next slide, Chris. Thank you. Uh, so some of the best practices and how we sort of got started here at the University of Waterloo is making sure we did the little things first. Um, so nothing was performative. Uh, so it wasn't just a post on social media, there was actions behind it. 
And so territorial acknowledgement, not just the land acknowledgement. So to make sure that we are grounding our acknowledgement with actions, uh, we live, play and succeed on these lands that are not rightfully ours. So making sure we acknowledge the land, but also the use of it and who actually occupies the land as well. Um, we have raised this eagle, uh, the eagle feather has been raised in honor of our indigenous athletes in our community from Conestoga College to Wilfrid Laurier University and the University of Waterloo. Uh, so that was raised January of this year. And since that point, we've held over five different ceremonies within all of our different spaces to acknowledge the different sports, different athletes, as well as the spaces, spaces that we occupy to make sure that we are um, respecting them. Uh, we've also similarly have engaged local Indigenous artists in our area. So all of our Truth and Reconciliation uh, t-shirts were designed by local artists um, and all the funds went back to the community um, so that we can do scholarship for Indigenous students on campus. Um, and as well, uh, part with the Truth and Reconciliation Day, but as well as Pride, is we do raise our Two-Spirited Pride flag. Um, so that goes along with our progressive flag on campus. So they're raised all the time in our spaces um, to acknowledge the Two-Spirit as part of that community um, and to acknowledge them just beyond that ceremony, that month, and that time frame. You can go ahead to the next slide. And so beyond our truth and reconciliation, it does encompass, as I mentioned, our pride um, events that happen. Um, and a big part of it is our storytelling on campus. Uh, so we're a big, big believer is we shouldn't be just pushing facts onto somebody. We should be allowing them to make space to, for them to tell their story because people are more willing and able and actually remember more from storytelling, not just from facts. Uh, so Ben Skinner is uh, the individual in the top right corner, and they were on our rugby team, and they are Indigenous, they are trans, uh, they are a big advocate, and now they actually work on campus. And so their story was one of the ways that we started to find that people will listen when they hear personalization to things. Um, making space for Ben um, to tell their story, um, to both in video format, article writing, it was a way to open up our student athletes so, so they felt comfortable listening and they uh, felt comfortable talking to us. And so this is a big part on, on our half is advocating for our athletes and participants, both from the varsity side and the recreationist side, um, so that we can tell their story no matter what realm it's in. Um, and this included working across campus in collaborations. So it wasn't just athletics and recreations. We were working with the Indigenous uh, Relations Office. We we're working with our student success office to tell those stories um, so it could reach a further audience. Um, and then, of course, we use a lot of our platforms to amplify voices of our community. Uh, so not just within sports. Um, how is it their stories that we can make a larger audience uh, to be able to hear and just sort of show that there's more than just a face and a number and a fact to somebody? And so, for example, things that we've started to work on is um, the Black Apprentice Coaching Program on campus, where um, our Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Fund has allowed us to give these internships to deserving folks uh, so they can get the background they want in coaching to further education. Uh, same, for example, is our Learn to Swim program. So this is provides individuals in the Kitchener-Waterloo region um, space to be able to learn how to swim. Um, especially because we're surrounded by so many bodies of water, not everybody has a chance to learn to swim, especially when they get into the older generations, because um, they feel like it is almost embarrassing that they don't know. Um, so we're trying to create a space and story of 
it's okay there's other individuals that don't know how to swim and we want to be able to provide you a, a safe space to be able to do so and so a lot of it is about driving the movement and creating that space in our realm so they have the voice to speak up and be able to walk into our office and say i want to tell this story how can you guys help me um, and a big part of it, I would say overall within this is um, we give a lot of creative and liberal freedoms to our students who work with us, who create videos, who do our social media content, because they're the ones that are connecting one-on-one -on -one with these students. Um, so a video I'll actually show you right after this is from one of our videographers, Carson, um, Carson Webb. So he has created these imageries to show how our truth and reconciliation ceremonies, our swimming ceremonies, um, just to show it in real time um, and be able to see what happens, but also give an educational piece to it when we can. Um, yeah, so I'll let him play the video now. Knowing we work at events and it doesn't always play properly, I also sent the link in the group chat so you can watch it as well. Because, um, you know, you work with the unexpected with uh, technology, as probably all are aware. <laughs> so you can also take a look at it. I just dropped it in the group chat as well. So if you'd like to watch it back further. Um, and the last thing I would say is a big part of it is we are continuously learning and there's never wrong questions to ask. Um, especially as full-time employees, um, we get a lot of information. And so always using resources and getting up-to-date on training and asking questions of those in the community um, because there's it's evolving and changing constantly. And we're never gonna, ever going to be finished with truth and reconciliation. We're never going to be done with, um, and we're never going to fully scope what's out there. So we have to constantly be aware of what's happening in the world and how we can support, especially our students, our varsity, our coaches, as well as our community in general. All right, thanks, Megan. Um, again, we will have questions at the end uh, if there's anything you have for Megan uh, or Jamie or Amanda. Uh, we're gonna wrap up our panel today uh, with Heather Burry. She's the Sports Information and Marketing Specialist for the Saskatchewan Huskies. Heather's a graduate of the University of Saskatchewan College of Kinesiology. Upon graduating, she joined the team at Discover Saskatchewan and spent over 10 years attracting sports events to Saskatoon. She's worked with events at provincial, national, and international levels. She has extensive experience in media relations, working with media teams on events like the FIBA 3 by 3 versus 3 Tour, uh, FIBA Volleyball Nations League, Hockey Canada Four Nations Cup, Canadian Olympic Curling Trials, and many others. Uh, she joins the Huskies athletics team in October 2022. 
Our primary focus in the sports information and marketing specialist role is the promotion of Huskies athletics through traditional and digital marketing initiatives, overseeing statistics for the 15 different Huskies athletic sports and media relations. I will turn it over to Heather. Thank you. Um, I hope everyone can hear me. Um, I, I'm going to talk about a few things today, but I think what I want to chat about first is just Husky Athletics' path to reconciliation. It started quite a few years before I got to the University of Saskatchewan Husky Athletics, but um, one of the things that we started with and a lot of organizations start with is a land acknowledgement, and our, ours has evolved quite a bit. Um, and it, we involved our Husky Student Council, as well as our new Indigenous student group to help us put together this land acknowledgement. And um, I'm going like, to actually let our athletes talk about it in this video, if it works. <laughs> so you can go ahead, Chris. Yeah, our audio may not work, so I may get you to put this in the Husky Athletics is honored <laughs> yeah. to train and compete on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis. Husky Athletics understands there is an underrepresentation of Indigenous people in sport in this country. As we strive for reconciliation, it is with respect for the ties to the past, present, and future, and our current relationship with the Indigenous people in our community, and commit to using our platform to create opportunities in sport for Indigenous youth, and promote togetherness moving forward. Okay, yeah, it did. I'm glad. I'm so glad. Um, we it's gone through again quite a few iterations, and um, our our Husky student athletes are incredibly Husky. proud of this this video as well as our um, as our commitment to truth and reconciliation. So it started with that. That is something that we played before every home game. Um, and then when we're somewhere where we don't have video boards, we usually just um, speak it out loud, but it starts off all of our all of our events. And again, the University of Saskatchewan as a whole is very committed to truth and reconciliation, um, especially here in Saskatchewan. We have such a large Indigenous population. And at the University of Saskatchewan, we have a very large um, Indigenous student group as well. So we wanted to ensure that um, what we were doing is reflective of them and, and their culture. Um, so everything we do in this space, we collaborate with our senior leaders at the University of Saskatchewan, with our Husky Athlete Council and our Indigenous student group. Um, we wanna ensure their voices are heard and that we are um, doing what we can in this space. Um, with everything, we involve our Indigenous leaders and elders as much as possible. Um, that photo in the bottom right corner of your screen. That's Jacqueline Chief. She comes to us from, I believe, Red Pheasant First Nation. Um, and this year she um, was part of our opening ceremonies. Her elders from her um, First Nation came and they gifted her with the traditional star blanket, which was very, very meaningful for her as an athlete, but also for our Indigenous communities in Saskatoon. Um, Pre-game ceremonies for all of our events, we again do the land acknowledgement. Um, we are also located here on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis. So we have had a drum group um, record what is called the Treaty 6 flag song. And before our national anthem, the Canadian national anthem, we play that song along with the flag as a way of acknowledging the land that we live and work on. Um, for all of our uh, opening ceremonies for all of our sports. We have a drum group come out and do that live. 
um, with some indigenous elders as well, just so we can, um, you know, educate people to, again, the path of truth and reconciliation, sorry. Uh, Chris, you can go to the next slide. So part of the truth and reconciliation um, in for truth and national truth, Day for Truth and Reconciliation, which is September 30th, the University of Saskatchewan during that week has a week of reflection and it's a week for everyone on campus to um, educate themselves, learn about truth and reconciliation and learn about the path that the university is on as well as Husky Athletics. So that weekend or around truth and national day for truth and reconciliation, we always have some sport happening here in, in Saskatoon, um, the Dakota Classic which was our annual cross country event for the very first time moved to the Whitecap Dakota First Nation. And it was held um, on traditional indigenous lands. And it was way, way more better for the athletes than hosting it in the city. We incorporated quite a bit of indigenous programming and, and culture as part of that. And it was really important to the track and field community as a whole, as they do quite a bit of um, work with our Indigenous track and field athletes in, in Saskatoon and Saskatchewan. And so it was very important to them to wear that. They also wear, everyone wears orange pennies, which is very much not a University of Saskatchewan color, but it is the color of, of Every Child Matters and orange shirts, which happens on that time as well. Um, we also have a true reconciliation football game, which is typically part of that weekend where we bring out um, Indigenous dancers, uh, drummers, our elders. Um, it's, it's actually a little funny. Our elders have, uh, they fight now over who gets to do the coin flip at the football game because it's, it's one of their favorite, favorite events. And um, this year we provided orange shirts to everyone in the community um, with our new logo on it, which I'll chat about in a minute. Um, we did similar things at our soccer games as well. So um, truth and reconciliation and the, the week of reflection in September is really important to Husky Athletics as, as a whole. Um, uh, Chris, if you wanna go to the next slide. So this logo was launched this year um, along with truth and reconciliation games and, and TRC um, National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Our Indigenous athletes two years ago had seen this artist representation and it was Chris Shapak. He's also from Red Crescent Cree Nation. He had put this up on his Instagram about two years ago as a proud Husky alumni, track and field alumni. And some of our Indigenous students have found it and it really resonated with them. So this year we have worked with Chris. Um, we have done a few um, edits to our logo. Um, and it's it's very indigenous focused. Again, there's treaty symbolism, an AT infinity symbol, how he got all of these symbols into the Husky dog head. Again, as an artist, he did some amazing work. Um, the feather, the treaty six, six dots that represent the treaty six land that we're located on, the Inikshik for the Inuit, um, the four circles in the medicine wheel, butterfly, which represents new beginnings and hope for future. And then obviously the heart, which is used to build connections um, and community and a sense of belonging. And then the treaty symbolism, as long as the sun shines and the grass grows and the river flows, we are all treaty people, which is part of our treaty six um, statement. And we are uh, 
we're very close to trademarking this as an official logo of Husky Athletic, which we have never, you know, I mean, in branding knows you don't, you don't touch your logo, but um, this was really important for us as well as our student athletes in a way for, um, to help Husky Athletic, guide Husky Athletics through the reconciliation journey. And also to um, highlight our relationship with our Indigenous community. And this will be used for any and all Indigenous um, initiatives that Husky Athletics um, takes part in. And um, it went through quite a few approval processes, again, with major major universities and our Central Comms team. Um, but it's something that was really important to us as a whole. Um, and then I think the last slide, Chris, before we wrap up here, um, we also do a lot of work in the space um, with our um, Black athletes and our Pride Month and Asian History Month. We want to ensure that their voices are heard as well for Black History Month this past um, February. We sat down with a few of our student athletes and just talked to them about who they are and their experiences, um, especially with, with racism and being uh, Black student athletes. And we, I think one of the most um, impactful pieces of that for me was I had a few of them come up and say, hey, you know what, like we've never been asked to tell our story. We've never been asked to showcase who we are. So they weren't like, they were just thankful for that opportunity. And that's something that we, as an office reached out to them because we wanted to highlight, you know, who they are. Um, Asian History Month, we did something similar. Um, for Pride Month, we had Jonah there. He's one of our track and field athletes. He came in and did a, a an interview with us and told his story, um, which was also really impactful because he talked about how as a track and field athlete, he's, he said, it's fairly well known that I am a gay man, but not something that I talk about a lot. So he's going to think some of my teammates are going to be surprised, but um, I want to live my authentic life and I want to be who I am. So he was really grateful for that opportunity. We also had a coach who was, um, who came out later in her life, tell her story um, as a path, as an athlete in the closet while she was with Husky Athletics to now um, being an openly, um, being openly uh, gay. And it was, again, very important to her to tell her story and something that um, she never had the opportunity to as well. So I think with all of our EDI initiatives, it's about connecting with our student athletes telling their stories and our connection with the community and it starts with us as an organization and it starts with us asking them hey we would really like to hear about who you are and sharing your story with the world so um i think that's my little spiel today i'm going to hand it back over to chris and i know he's i know a lot of you probably have lots of questions all right thanks again heather uh, i'm going to stop sharing my screen now um, so yeah, so we're open to questions. Uh, I'm going to kick things off though. I think um, one thing that I think everybody touched on is um, being maybe making sure you're not just performative, like you're actually backing what you're doing um, with actions. Um, and I think that's something that sometimes the athletes feel when you go to them about these things. Um, so my, my question is to start off, I know obviously we have departments on campuses that do these things, but uh, was it you that took these ideas forward and how did you uh, make sure that, again, when you were starting those, 
that there was an action that followed again a social media post hosting a pride night whatever it was it wasn't just that you read something over the pa to start start a night off and that was it um so i'll open it uh, to heather megan uh, or amanda uh to maybe touch on how you make it so it's not just uh performative i mean i can i can start quickly it in the beginning it was performative um i think we can all <laughs> agree on that as we were moving along those paths um it was it was very much our connection with our student athletes that helped push all of these initiatives along it was connecting with them letting us know hey like this is we want to represent you we want to represent you as a student athlete and you as a person so us collaborating with them but also reaching out to them and say hey look we want to again we want to represent you we want to represent who you are and um we got a lot of direction and feedback from them about how we make it sure it's not performative. Um, and I think we've done a really good job of, of balancing that. Took some time and some learnings, but I think we're getting there. Um, anybody else, uh, you can raise your hand, uh, unmute yourself if you have any questions. If not, I do have plenty more because uh, I know we can do better here. But Dan uh, has his hand up. Uh, thanks, everyone, for the presentations today. It's been really cool to hear what everyone's been up to in that regards. Um, the main question I have regarding compensation for those that take part in these campaigns, because that's something we've encountered uh, with um, Indigenous History Month, uh, or so, rather the uh, Truth, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation is in conversation with their Indigenous, uh, of, uh, Indigenous heirs, just, you know, something to consider as we, you know, create videos and other collateral is uh, providing compensation to those that are the focus of it, uh, which we did, um, obviously, but has anyone else encountered that? What's kind of the approach and strategy with that, with all the other campaigns, do Black History Month, Asian, Asian Pride Month, and whatnot? We, um, we, I think we asked the question generally, but yeah, we, uh, it's been customary for us to do a tobacco offering, um, followed by, um, like an honorarium, um, which usually we ask, uh, the group, the drumming or dancing group, um, what the honorarium would be. And then we do a gift on top of that. Um, and that gift can be like, um, like a physical gift, whether it's like a sweatshirt or like what, like it can be really sort of any type of a promotional gift item that's sort of coupled together with that, along with providing some uh, food and beverages um, during the event for them as well. That's cool. I'm sorry, I guess I should have specified more so uh, any of the student athletes specifically that are involved with these campaigns. Uh, are you offering anything to them for compensation? We haven't at the University of Saskatchewan, but I think now that you mentioned that, I think that's, that's something we consider. Yep, same. We were just saying we haven't given anything to our, our athletes specifically. Um, I know um, part of welcoming them on part of committees so that they're they're sitting with us, we're hearing their voices, um, we're making sure that they're involved in the conversation. That's kind of where we've we've focused so far, not having them highlighted in the specific campaigns. But yeah, that, it's a really great point. Fair enough. Yeah. And it's something that I encounter even with Black History Month too, where, you know, we approach individuals, but uh, had them back away due to the fact that uh, there initially wasn't that offer to compensate. But now with more recently, the uh, 
National Day of Truth and Reconciliation and having those conversations with the Office of Indigenous Initiatives that it is more of a common, you know, approach now, even when they, you know, you know, handled certain initiatives too. So thanks for the insight. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jen. Andrea has her hand up. Yeah, um, a couple of you talked about how you um, kind of have your process to um, get your student athletes participate in initiatives, but can you talk about how you actually start that process? Like, do you um, like send out a Google form being like, hey, anybody who wants to share their story, let us know? Or uh, how do you actually approach students to want to participate um, and be able to tell their stories? I can start. Um, one of the things is we go to all their orientations as first year, any of their student council events to get them to know our faces as people who work in athletics. So we're not just an email address or somebody behind social media. Um, so that relationship building starts from the get go, um, especially with their captains of their teams, sort of putting our ear to the wall with our student athletes to say, hey, what's going on outside of athletics? What are you guys doing? We want to tell your story. And that's when we sort of hear the trickle in from the coaches and from the captains. Um, so it's sort of building that relationship first. And then that's when we start to hear about things. Yeah, I have to agree with Megan, um, getting to know our athletes and making sure that relationship comes first and foremost is a huge one for us. Um, I have to actually point out Chris's uh, when we had a meeting uh, prior to today's webinar, Chris had mentioned including it on uh, athlete registrations and identifying if like, is there anything that you are comfortable providing some items of, of those typical um, OUA and youth sport initiatives that are happening so that there's um, an easy way to not put any pressure on athletes and make, make sure that they're comfortable coming for story. Chris, I'm talking about your idea like it's mine, but I thought it was fantastic and really needed to be highlighted. So I know that's something that we're going to do moving forward is, is including that in registration so that we have uh, we have a nice easy way of who we can approach first without putting any pressure or making it, I'm trying to make it more comfortable for, for our athletes as well. I will third those comments. It's relationship building and getting to know your athletes. Not all of them are comfortable speaking about their experiences and that that's that's fine. We, um, when we start doing these initiatives, we always reach out to our Husky Athletic Council, our Indigenous student group, as well as our coaches um, to say, hey, this opportunity is here. We'd like to tell your story, especially with Black History Month. Um, again, I got to know some of the athletes and I, I knew some wanted to tell their stories. So I, you know, approached them first and said, hey, we'd like to, like to hear from you. And it's, it, it's really that relationship building piece and, and, Again, we have some very outspoken athletes. We have some that are um, BIPOC who aren't so open and um, don't like to talk to their experience. So we always leave it as an option for them. Any other questions for the group? We probably have time for a few more questions. No, I have more questions then. Um, so I, I think the big one is sometimes it's an athletics event, it's a game. Why does this uh, take place here? Like, shouldn't it be something else? Um, how have you approached that? I know that that sometimes becomes the conversation. It's a basketball game. It's a football game. Like, what does this have to do with this? Um, how have you approached that? 
Um, and how have you approached maybe athletes that maybe say that uh, if you've had this happen, uh, that say like, you know, this has nothing to do with our our game, our sport. Um, I would say a big part around it is we are bigger than sport. Uh, we're post-secondary institutions. So education is what they're here for. And so a lot of, that's a lot of our backing is saying, yes, we're here to play sports, but we're also here to make a difference. And we can provide a space for a um, equity deserving group to make sure that they are, their information is put out there. They are recognized and deserve. We are going to do so. Um, and a big piece of that is when people do come back to say us why, it's the education of going back, well, here's the reason why, and having the actions to back it up and say, we've done our research, we're not just doing it performatively, this is what we, we're trying to do. I, um, yeah, definitely uh, what Meg had to say, and I think approaching it uh, in the fact that all of our spectators and supporters are also coming from different levels of education themselves and and really wanting to walk the line of doing doing the justice and making sure it's not performative um, but making sure that it fits naturally into the the sport or the game that's going on I think we have a special opportunity within athletics to um, to spread that education and educate others that may not have access to it otherwise so being able to be respectful um, of the level of education that everyone is coming to to the games with but making sure that um, that education also isn't forced or pressured and it's at a level that um, that everyone can walk away with in a positive nature, um, knowing that not everyone may, but that most people um, can walk away in a positive nature saying that um, I, I appreciate what happened tonight and, and I want to take this, this information moving forward. And I think we hope that it sparks that conversation, right, that happens around the dinner table or in people's homes. It's like, you know, we saw this or we heard this and then they're doing their own learnings. I think that's really important. Uh, I would say for us at the UBS, we when we introduced the Treaty of Six flag song um, just before the Canadian National Anthem, again, we are on Treaty Six territory and that anthem is just as important as the Canadian or the, again, depending on your sport, the American National Anthem, which you hear at, at all sport events. And it's our way of recognizing we are on Treaty Six territory, but we also live in Canada. So, um, and again, they're not long songs. So I think that helps. Um, long, long anthems drive everyone crazy, but um, we have just integrated it as as much as the Canadian national anthem. There was a question from Rich, and I'll just read it just for uh, recording purposes in case people can't see the chat. Uh, so where do you draw the line on what gets, quote unquote, extra attention, effort, coverage? Um, we struggle with that as we take on more causes slash movements, all of which are important, of course, uh, but how do you obviously balance, uh, I guess, the bigger question is the workload uh, and execution of those things? That's a great question because yeah. <laughs> uh, it's definitely something we're facing this year. I know um, one of our initiatives was to be able to use more of our games as highlighting uh, more social justice pieces. Um, and we're kind of right in that crux of learning what that uh, means from a work workload perspective uh, as well, but really trying to find, um, we've also found that 
Um, doing doing an event that first year is very difficult. Um, once you've got one under your belt, whether like we're doing uh, Pride Nights again, we're doing um, Indigenous in, 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 yeah. Cultural Celebration Night, um, which we've short formed to ICCN. <laughs> uh, but uh, doing it once and getting some of those things under our belts, it's really provided us with uh, a bit more of a recipe for what we want some of these events to look like. Um, we've able to been able to build those consistent relationships within the community so that we can identify um, if there are things going on. We are a small school, so we do have to appreciate that there, there are are only so many games happening and as much as we'd love to do as many justice um, as possible there there is only so much that can be done um and I think it's also important to know like it has to be manageable and you want to scale it right and thinking ahead especially you have to think about um I think the, the people you connect with uh and and using that group of people to identify you know here are the things we really want to include these are things we'd like to include, you know, based on the level of, of commitment that you have in terms of staffing and, and all those things. Because I think as we've found today, it's really about relationship building and that connection. And that just takes more time. And, and I think slowly our society is saying like, okay, it's more acceptable versus this, you know, quick re response via email. Um, so I think it has to be scalable and it has to be something that we can manage. Rich, I'd love to follow up here. So when you create an event, have you had athletes come to you and say, okay, we do this, but why don't you do that? We have, absolutely. And that's kind of how um, our our connection to Asian Heritage Month came into play. We don't have as many, again, as many Asian athletes as we do Indigenous or um, Black athletes, but um, that was important to those athletes. So we we did start to um, think about Asian Heritage Month as well. Um, and which is, I think in, might be in May, but to ensure that we tell our Asian athletes stories as well. So um, when when we do have athletes come to us and say, we, we wanna tell the story of our heritage and our, our culture, we, we find a way to do that. Uh, there was one other question here, and I think we'll end on this question just based on time. Uh, so Maria threw in the chat, uh, we are working towards a student athlete working group, but have not had one to support our initiatives over the last few years. We try and converse with the athletes in the EDI department. Uh, any suggestions on navigating some of these events without having a dedicated working group? I know Heather has a group, so maybe maybe not, maybe not Heather. I don't know. Yeah, I think if maybe you don't have student athletes who are wanting to drive that group, is that maybe there are other partners within your institution or in the community who might want to be that. And then I think once you start, you may find that you have more student athletes come on board. It might just be intimidating for them at first. Um, they might not you know, like Heather was saying, it may not be ready to share their story or be a part of something that's going to be so maybe public. So I think if, if you don't, because we all want the student athlete voices, but if you don't have them, I think maybe you look uh, within your, your institution, within your department, you know, EDI groups to see if there's a, um, some people that are going to step forward. And I don't think you, like, we only had 
three or four of us last year. Like mm-hmm. there wasn't a lot of us. Um, uh, we are a small university, um, but we have, you know, a student athlete uh, on our hockey team this year, who's going to help be that person. So it's gro- We're growing by one, but we're growing. And so we think every year that we do it, that's, you know, really important that we have, uh, the student athlete's voice. I would sort of second that in a sense too, like, um, our coverage is also on the recreation side. So is there people on the recreation side that want to tell their stories that can be merged into the varsity side as well? And because it's overarching, it is recreation and sport. So how can we collaborate across the two? We found that too, is telling stories from both angles so it can support both ends of it. Um, I can say from our perspective, last perspective, um, last December, we hosted a Ukraine the Ukraine national hockey team with our um, Husky men's hockey team. And we had, again, Saskatchewan, we have an incredible amount of Ukrainians here in Saskatchewan. Um, and they they all, it was sold out and it was incredible. And from that, the Ukrainian groups in Saskatoon, not part of Husky athletics, they reached out and wanted to do something similar at our basketball games this year. So we actually, this last weekend, just hosted Ukrainian night with traditional um Ukraine two traditional Ukrainian dance groups that provided the entertainment um, for halftime and it was really well received next year we hope to convince um, culinary services to use progies and sausage for those games as well Um, but it's uh, again one of those is our community helped drive that initiative not our internal one but our external one so um, I think it's just reaching out to, you know, your community best, reaching out and um, seeing what groups would, would like to partner. All right, everyone. Uh, so thanks for the questions. If you have more questions, uh, you can either, I'm sure, find uh, Jamie, Amanda's, Megan's, uh, or there's emails on their respective websites or reach out to me. Um, so I'd like to thank the four of them, obviously, for volunteering their time to do this today uh, and putting the work in uh, to prepare all this uh, and for the discussion and their insights. Uh, this webinar, again, will be on demand later uh, tomorrow through CSC. So share that information with anybody that was asking, that missed it, uh, that may want to uh, follow up. Uh, we encourage you to follow up on uh, CSC website, collegesportscommunicators.com for updated information on what's on tap for CSC programming and continuing education. Uh, in December, CSC will offer a live webinar on social media content and strategies presented by your corporate partner, Kipper, with CSC members as panelists. Uh, so stay tuned on those dates and topics to be announced. But uh, again, thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Megan, Amanda, Jamie, and Heather, I appreciate your time. I uh, appreciate uh, your knowledge on this. So uh, thank you, everybody, for t- tuning in. And uh, we will hopefully uh, have another one of these soon. So thank you all.